Last week we examined the passage where Jesus appeared to his disciples after he had risen from the dead. His disciples were filled with joy and gladness, but someone was missing. At least that's what John tells us in chapter 20, verse 24. That Thomas, one of the twelve disciples, was missing that day. He missed out on that Easter day of seeing Jesus risen from the dead. But in God's providence, the Holy Spirit uses this account of Thomas's absence as the climactic story in the Gospel of John. Yes, there's a chapter 21 that we'll get to over the next few weeks, but it serves as an epilogue of sorts. Really, everything in John's Gospel builds to this moment. To this moment where Thomas wants to believe, but he needs evidence to support his belief. And so with that in mind, I want us to keep in mind this very big and yet basic question Why should we believe in Jesus Christ? Why should we believe in Jesus Christ? And the Bible gives us many answers to that question. But John chapter 20, here about Thomas, gives us a powerful answer to why we should believe in Jesus. So open up your Bibles or look at the text in your bulletins. We're going to be in John 20, starting in verse 24. John chapter 20, verses 24 through the end of the chapter. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord God, we cry out to you today for your help. God, we cry out that you would help us to hear today, that you would give us ears to hear your word, that you would give us the eyes of faith to see the truth that you are giving us in the scriptures today, and that you, O God, would work in us. Help us, O Lord, for we are prone to hear but not believe. We are prone to hear and then to disregard, and so help us to believe instead of disbelieving. Lord, we cry out to help today also on my behalf. I cry out 
for help that you would work through me and, and sustain me and that you, O oh God, would help me to speak truthfully. Help me, O oh Lord, to clearly explain your word. Be strong in my weakness, O oh God, and I pray that you would be glorified in the speaking and hearing and receiving of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So we got a passage here this morning. It's focused on the disciple Thomas. Thomas, like a few of the disciples, is not mentioned all that often in the Gospels. This is really the only place in the four Gospels where Thomas takes center stage, which is why that many people in history call him Doubting Thomas. It's not really fair, though. As one commentator writes, the title, Doubting Thomas, is not entirely fair because had he been present when Jesus first manifested himself to the disciples, doubtless he too would have believed. See, Thomas was not some hardened skeptic that refused to believe things. He was not stubbornly refusing to believe the obvious right in front of him. Thomas only doubted that Jesus rose from the dead. That's because Thomas knew that Jesus died a horrific death on the cross. Thomas knew that Jesus was buried in the tomb. And now Thomas was being told that Jesus was alive again. It seems to me that's pretty normal to doubt such things. And really, if you had switched Thomas with any of the other disciples, we probably would have a doubting Bartholomew or a doubting John, whatever it would be. And so instead of doubting Thomas, we just simply call him Absent Thomas. He missed that day of school. Very important day of school. And this puts Thomas in a very awkward position because Jesus had set these twelve apart as his inner circle. And for the last three years, they had done nearly everything together. They had the same experiences. They could draw on the same teaching and firsthand encounters. But now we have Thomas, who's like the odd man out. The others had seen Jesus, but he hadn't. How could he be able to be an apostle without seeing Jesus? Thomas wanted to believe. But what they were saying was so radical, he couldn't believe it. Not without proof. He wanted to believe his friends. He knew they wouldn't make this up as some joke. This was no joking matter. He knew they weren't prone to hallucinations or insanity. And Thomas knew Jesus as well. He had seen Jesus do all kinds of remarkable things. He knew Jesus had unusual power, and perhaps it was true. Perhaps he did come back from the dead. But Thomas couldn't be sure. Maybe you are in that position. Or maybe someone you know is in that position. That you hear people talk about Jesus and how he is so wonderful but you feel like, I don't know that Jesus. I can't be sure that's true. Maybe you try to pray, but you feel like you're talking to yourself and you can't be sure that prayer truly goes to God. Maybe you wonder, there must be something to this Christianity thing, but you remain skeptical because churches and Christians throughout history have done real damage to the world. Can this really be true? You're interested in seeking, but you feel like you can never know for sure if this Jesus thing is real. Then I want you to sympathize with Thomas. Because like him, you weren't there. 
You haven't seen Jesus in the flesh. You also know that people who die stay dead. And you recognize that believing that someone rose from the dead means believing in something really unusual and supernatural. Notice that Thomas doesn't just say, yeah, sure, whatever. He needs proof. He needed the same proof, the same evidence his fellow disciples received. Only then would he believe this incredible story. And so Thomas says, unless I see his hands and the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails, place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Thomas does what I think a lot of us would do. Prove it. I don't believe you. I need to see it to believe it. It's a lot like the Queen of Sheba from our Old Testament reading. She had heard the reports of Solomon's great wealth and wisdom, and she couldn't believe that those were true. They had to be exaggerated. But instead of just writing it off as some made-up story, she went seeking for the truth. And Thomas sought the truth as well. And for anyone who does not believe in Jesus, I encourage you to seek the truth about Jesus too. Because the truth was found. It took eight days, during which time Thomas probably felt very much left out. Everyone else was feeling great. And he's just like, man, I missed it. Now what? Just a complicated set of emotions like, I'd really like this to be true. I'd really like to be happy with you guys. I just can't get there yet. And then Jesus appears again in the room, just like he did the first time. But this time, Thomas is there. And though Jesus was not in the room when Thomas demanded his proof, Jesus shows him the evidence of his wounds, just as Thomas requested. Thomas sees the wounds that killed Jesus, and yet Jesus is standing there alive, right in front of him. Thomas is just wowed by the evidence. And he says something, and Jesus says something wonderfully comforting to Thomas. He says, do not disbelieve, but believe. Jesus wants Thomas to believe. He gives him all the evidence he needs to believe. Jesus knew that Thomas would find it difficult to believe the other disciples' story. He knew it would be difficult to be the odd man out. And Jesus shows up and is like, here is the evidence that cannot be denied. The very evidence you said you wanted is right here. And then Thomas sees and believes. He confesses his belief. He believes that Jesus indeed rose from the dead. And that is great for Thomas. What about us? What about all those who seek the truth about Jesus today? Why can't Jesus just appear to everyone? Like, I'm really glad Jesus wanted Thomas to believe. But if he wants us to believe, shouldn't he appear to us? I suppose Jesus could do that. But would you recognize him? See, our culture has a whole lot of pictures of Jesus. Those are artistic renderings. They are not photographs. And so if someone approached you on the street, knocked on your door one day, it's like, hello, I am Jesus of Nazareth, risen from the dead, and I would like to prove that I am alive. You're probably not going with that initially. You might be a little skeptical. How could you be sure it was the real Jesus and not an imposter? This is why it is so helpful to have Thomas 
Remember, Thomas was not all that different from us. He wanted evidence to believe. And when he got evidence, he did believe. Thomas had been with Jesus for three years. He knew what Jesus looked like, how tall he was, his body shape, his hair, his eyes, his tone of voice, his mannerisms, everything. Thomas knew what to look for. And when he saw the real Jesus risen from the dead in the flesh, he knew this is him. He was immediately convinced that this guy is not an imposter. He is not a ghost. He is not wearing a mask. He is the Jesus I have known for three years. And what we see is Thomas believed the unbelievable, not simply because he wanted to believe. This wasn't a story that was just going to make him feel better or get him famous. He believed what was previously unbelievable based on credible evidence presented to him. The basis of Thomas's belief and testimony is what we believe based on too. We believe based on Thomas's testimony and the other disciples' testimony. That's what Jesus tells Thomas. Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus is very glad that Thomas has believed after seeing this evidence, but he also knows that many are going to believe without needing to see. That Thomas is actually unique in a way. Those early apostles and followers who saw Jesus are unique, that they are charged with sharing their eyewitness testimony of having seen the evidence for belief. And that is what we have in the Scriptures. The testimony of the witnesses to the risen Jesus. Some people think the Bible is a helpful collection of moral stories. It is teaching that could be learned by people who are interested in living a good and moral life. That's in there. But the Bible, especially the Gospels, is a witness to the reality of a God who wants to be known and has made himself known through Jesus Christ. The Bible is evidence for our belief because it contains the eyewitness testimony of those who have seen Jesus risen from the dead. And John wants us to believe this. But why? Why does John want us to believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Why does it really matter that this really happened? Because as far as I'm concerned, it's great that Jesus rose from the dead and conquered death, but there sure has been a lot of death still in the world since then. So what does rising from the dead mean? What does it mean that Jesus rose from the dead? Is this just a crazy conspiracy theory of the world? Because we talked two weeks ago on Easter about the crazy conspiracy theory of birds are real. Who cares? Birds aren't real. It's a crazy conspiracy theory. And yet this is a crazy conspiracy theory in a sense that Jesus is God who has taken on human flesh and died again for our, died for our sins and risen again and he did so with minimal fanfare. He did this, and it wasn't a big deal in the world at that time for many people. That sounds really hard to believe. In fact, many today think the resurrection story 
is a cover-up. And that the real story is that the disciples moved the body and made up the story of the resurrection in order to gain power and influence. And that is ridiculous. It really is. How were they to know that Christianity would become the globe's most dominant religion? How was Thomas to know that one day there would be cathedrals and universities and hospitals? St. Thomas. He didn't just make this up in hopes that that would happen. That was totally unlikely. It's crazy. How were they to know the power that churches would have in later centuries? How would they know that, yes, we should give up our lives for this lie because someday there will be a St. Thomas Church? What? Preposterous. You see, the original conspiracy theory, if you will, is the resurrection. But it's like a good conspiracy theory. It's not a nefarious cover-up. Have you ever noticed that conspiracies are almost always bad. They're, like, bad things are happening. That's, that's usually what's in a conspiracy theory. And yet the resurrection is like this semi-secret thing that happened that is good news for the whole world. That God entered the world, not in a flashy way, but as a poor infant. And He grew up as a humble man learning just a simple trade after his father. He developed a regional following based on his teaching and his compassion. And after doing some miracles, he was executed as a criminal. And then three days later, he rose from the dead. And he did all that for you and for the world. It's not a cover-up. It's a revelation of the glory of God. It wasn't done out of nefarious motives. It was done out of sacrificial love for you. And this is the story that John has been telling in his gospel. And he's explaining, this is why I want you to believe this. He tells us in verses 30 through 31, it's like a purpose statement of his book. So kids, I I heard about these TDAs and these essays you're having to write for PSSAs. Well, the theme statement, the purpose statement of all the gospel of John, why John decided to start writing is in verses 30 and 31. It says this. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. Note that John did not write this. I have written this book about Jesus so that you may reform your ways through this great moral teaching. He did not write that. It can help you live a moral life, but that's not why he wrote John also did not write, I have written this book so that you may find your true self and be happy in this life. John's not here to help people achieve their own goals or inner journeys of purpose and fulfillment. We do find purpose and fulfillment in Christ, but that's not the reason. John wrote down his eyewitness testimony so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. 
John is telling us that because Jesus rose from the dead, he has power over death. He has the power to bring life, a better kind of life, an eternal life. And we receive this life the same way Thomas did, by believing. But we see in Thomas that believing does not just mean acknowledging it happened. Jesus did not say, look and believe. And Thomas go, huh, yeah, you did. Good for you, man. It's not what he did. Thomas recognized the importance of what this meant. And he says, my Lord and my God. He immediately understands that Jesus is God, that life is connected to him, that he is not just some religious teacher. He is not some deluded fanatic. He is not some kind of miracle worker. He is God, the giver of life. And that's who he is. My Lord and my God. Thomas has seen the evidence to believe that Jesus is God. And he and his fellow witnesses like John have faithfully preserved their testimonies for us that we might believe in Jesus too. Just as Peter wrote in our New Testament reading, though we have not seen him with our own eyes, we believe Jesus rose from the dead. We don't do so simply because we want it to be true. We do so because we have reason to believe that it is true. And not just that it's true, but that it is good. The best, in fact. The best news for all the world. So may each of us believe the testimony of Scripture and so be blessed for having believed without seeing. Let us pray. Lord, we give thanks for Your Word. And that you, O God, have preserved for us a truthful, historical account of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. And we ask, O God, that you would please give us the faith to believe. Help us open our hearts and minds to believe, O Lord, and help us to be those who share this testimony as well with others that they too would come and believe. Lord, help us to enjoy the life, the eternal life that we get to enjoy now and will enjoy forever to know that we have a life that will never end, to know that we have a life where we are blessed to know God through Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we pray that like Thomas, we would not disbelieve, but believe. And so share with others that they too might believe. In his name we pray.